0: Uh, Please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from uh, Psalm 119, so please open your Bibles to Psalm 119. And then follow along as I read verses 89 through 105. Psalm 119, verses 89 through 105. This really talks about the importance of God's word, how important it is in our lives. Starting in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have then perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Though thou, though through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refined my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me, How sweet are thy words unto unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. And God's Word is a precious treasure, as they sang so greatly. God's Word is a gold mine of prosperity. It's a storehouse of sweetness. It's a fountain of refreshing. It's a river of peace. God's Word is miraculous in its power. It is inspired, that is breathed out by our triune God. It is indestructible. It is preserved eternally. It is inerrant. What do we mean by inerrancy? It is without any error. It is truth. So let's live it. Love it. Preach it. But to do that, we have to learn it. So let's look today in Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to speak to you on this subject of four challenges God's Word gives us from this passage of Scripture. In Proverbs chapter 6. And we're just going to read verse 20 through 23 of Proverbs chapter 6. My son, keep thy father's commandment. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart. And tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. And let's read verse 23 together. For the commandment is a land, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Let's pray. So thank you, Lord, for your Word. Help us to be challenged by this passage of Scripture. Challenged by the Word of God today to love you live for You, and learn more of Your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to ask you a question that I believe can change your life. I want us to be able to walk out different from what we came in. So let's look at the book of Proverbs today. I'm going to do a little review as we're in the middle of Proverbs, these introductory chapters, so we're going to do just a bit of review here. And just say a few things maybe that we've said, but not probably enough. So what is a proverb? We've said that a proverb is a short but salty statement. It's drawn from long experience to teach us wisdom. To form our character into Christ and encourage an obedient relationship with the Lord. That's how... We define a proverb, a short, salty statement drawn from long experience. Now, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are what we call the gateway chapters. They're narrative, they stick together, they they tell a particular story or have a, a theme. But once you hit chapter 10 in Proverbs... We, we hit what we call the sentence Proverbs. So one Proverb could be completely different from the very next verse and completely different. And so the sentence Proverbs. So why is Proverbs structured that way? For this reason, I believe. The first nine chapters in Proverbs lay the foundations of wisdom in order to understand the sentence Proverbs beginning in chapter 10. So Chapters 1-9, through we call them the gateway chapters into the sentence, Proverbs. And the three things, really, I believe that we could see these early chapters of Proverbs, these gateway chapters tell us, is that we need to understand the fear of the Lord. And what is the fear of the Lord? Can you read that with me? It says, the fear of the Lord is the life rearranging, joyful wonder before the greatness of of who God is and what He has done, which leads us to bow in loving obedience to Him. The fear of the Lord is an awe-filled reverence for a majestic, holy, infinite, eternal God who transcends all. The fear of the Lord. Respecting God with awe. And we need to understand not only the fear of the Lord, but the path of wisdom. And that's the emphasis of these early chapters. It tells us different paths. We can either walk in the path of wisdom to please God, which shines more and more brightly unto the perfect day, or we could walk the path of the fool to the house of the harlot, and that path leads to death and hell. So there's these different paths. We need to walk in the path of wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is, let's read it together, the skillful application of our relationship knowledge of God to the moral and complex realities of life. And ultimately, wisdom is Jesus Christ, Christ Christ-likeness. When I say that divine wisdom is the skillful application of our relationship knowledge, in other words, you can know something, but wisdom applies what you know and you could take that to for anything you're like an engineer he could know math but then an engineer takes that ma- knowledge of math and applies it to build a bridge or whatever he's building but when we talk about wisdom in the spiritual sense in our relationship with god we know god but now we take what we know about God and personalize that and apply our that knowledge of God, which is really based and built upon a relationship with God. And then apply what we know about God to our, to, to our daily life, to the moral realities of life. As well as the complex realities of life. Now, when I say moral reality, some things are right and wrong. And we need wisdom to choose to do the right thing. And that's why James actually tells us the wisdom that is from above is first what? Does anybody know the answer? The wisdom that is from above is first pure. I think about the wisdom in Proverbs. A lot of it is about moral purity, about the strange woman and not to be tempted to adultery, fornication. And these are great temptations for all of us in this world. But we need wisdom to choose the right path. But then some things aren't necessarily right or wrong. Like, what college are you going to go to? What, what career are you going to work in? It's not wrong to go to one college over another, but you need wisdom to make those choices as well. So, choose the path of wisdom. Understand the fear of the Lord. And the third thing these gateway chapters are about is to shape our character. Let wisdom and the fear of God allow wisdom, and we could even say the fear of the Lord, to shape our character. So, Proverbs is given to build our faith. To guide our thinking. To make choices that please God. To strengthen our character. To walk in the path of wisdom in the fear of the Lord. Now this passage that we've read today is really about the law of the mother and the commandment of the father to the son. We're going to see in a moment, I'm convinced these relate specifically to the word of God, what they're teaching their son. But what we need today, and we're going to have revival next week. Next Sunday, we'll have a guest speaker, an evangelist. He'll be with us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'll have a service at 10 a.m. So we won't have our adult Bible fellowships. We'll have a, a, a revival service. really begins at 10. And then 11 will be our main service as we do each Sunday. Then Monday through Friday, May 2nd through the 6th, we'll be at our church office each night at 7.15. Monday... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you say, Pastor, do you think and do you actually expect me to come out every night? Yes, yes I do. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> I expect myself to be there. So but I know I know not all of you are gonna make it. I understand that. But I encourage you to do it. Why don't you try? You say, Well, I've never done that's a lot of church, preacher. That's a whole lot of church more than all I'm not used to going to church that much. Come on now. You expect him to be a fanatic? No, just a fan of Jesus. Okay? Come on out. It'll be a blessing. So, we need a revival, though, and a return to the Bible. If we all got back into the Bible, we would have revival. Let God speak into our hearts. We'd have that abundant life that we need, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Jesus is the living Word of God. His name is the Word of God. We need to return to the Bible, the Word of God. Now, in this passage of Scripture, this, these few verses, 20-23, to 23, when He says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And He says, bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. What I want us to see is that The teaching of the father and mother has the same force, the same function that the Word of God itself has. Now, why is that? Because the parents, as a team, were teaching the Word of God to their son. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll see some similarities in Deuteronomy 6. The great Shema passage, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Deuteronomy chapter 6. And keep your finger in Proverbs 6. Can you do that? Can you keep your finger in Proverbs 6? So for example, in Deuteronomy 6, just to compare these two scriptures. He says in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine where. Your heart. Now go back to Proverbs 6. What does it say in verse 21 of Proverbs 6? Bind these words continually where? In your heart. The same place. And then it says, if you skip down in verse 8, he says, and thou shalt what? Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon your hand. So again, that's the law law of God that Moses was writing. Bind them on your hand. And go back to Proverbs 6, and again in verse 21, what it says the exact same word. It says to do what with that with the word? The commandment of the father and mother. He says what? In verse 21, bind them as well. He uses that same word. And then he says in verse 7 of Proverbs, of Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, he says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. In other words, make it a part of your daily life. Make the Word of God not just something you do for five minutes in the morning, but live out the Word of God. And if you go to, back to Proverbs 6, you see a similarity here in verse 22. He says, When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it will keep you. When you talk, when you awake, it will talk with you. See, in all the... Normal parts of life, the Word of God is going to have this power. So what I think is interesting, and very challenging for parents especially now, if you apply it to yourself, because in verse 20 of Proverbs 6, he says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And these words have the same force as the Word of God itself. So what was the father and mother teaching their son in a united way? So their son would get it. The Word of God. That's what we need in the home today. That's what we need in our homes today. We need mothers and fathers who will get married and stay married. Who will have children and bring them up. Because this is a a wicked world that wants to sweep and is sweeping our children away. So, father and mother, bound together as one flesh, are bound by the word of God and they teach it to their son. That's a beautiful thing. So, four challenges of God's word. Let's welcome these four challenges into our life. And here's the first challenge. The first challenge is Do I love God's word in the core of my being? Now, ask yourself that question. Don't let, don't, Listen to me now. Here's the Bible. It doesn't have any pictures in it. It has a few maps. It's not a picture book. It's just a lot of words on a white page. But do you love this book in the core, the depth of your soul? You should. I'm here to say, I need to love this book, the Word of God, in the depth of my being. That's what we need in our lives. That's a challenge. That's my challenge. Do you love the Word of God in the very depth of your heart and soul? Because look what he says here. He says, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. And that word bind is a strong word. It's used when Rahab bound that scarlet cord on her window. And she wanted to make sure when she bound that scarlet cord, that it wasn't going to fly off. (laughs) Why? Because that scarlet cord on that window was her life. That was for her life. (laughs) Because the spies were going to come back, and if they didn't see the scarlet cord, they wouldn't have known who to save. That was for her salvation, if you will. So here God says, bind the word of God continually in your heart with such security like Rahab's cord in the window, because your life depends on it. Now, we're going to look at just a moment, too. There's three verses in these introductory chapters, these gateway chapters and Proverbs that we've been talking about that are similar. And each of these verses have this command for us to bind the Word of God. So I, I put them up here on the screen for you to see, but let's read them real quick. Proverbs 3.3, 3, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. And then the chapter 6.21 that we're looking at. And then in chapter 7 in verse 3, he says, bind them on thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. So three times he says, bind them. And this word is also used to describe, do you know what? The relationship that Jonathan and David had. It says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And that's that word, bind. So the idea of binding, he says, bind the Word of God continually upon thine heart. And parents, teach your children the Word of God and tell them, you need to bind this continually on your heart, in the core of your being, to love the Word of God. Because that's how we're friends with God. (laughs) Just as... David and Jonathan were bound together in friendship. We sing about friendship with Jesus. And Jesus is the friend of sinners. So God's Word knits us to the heart of God. And us into the heart of God. And God into our hearts. So that we are friends with Jesus. Friends with God. So the word bind is used in these three verses. But then I want to take a step back and also look at the, the places where, where we are to bind the Word of God in these verses. I found it interesting. In chapter 3, verse 3, it says, bind the Word where? In our, in our neck. Bind them about thy neck. Tie them securely about thy neck. Now, if you tie something securely about your neck, you don't see it. But somebody else does. So the challenge here is to love the Word of God So that you're not ashamed of God. You're not ashamed that you love the Lord and love His Word. And the Word of God is like jewelry of great value. So that others will know your love for the Word of God. Do others know you love Jesus? Jewelry about the neck is visible to others. And we know a lot of people love to flaunt their flash, right? They used to call it bling bling. Do they still call it? I don't know what they call it anymore. They used to flaunt their bling, you know, and they flaunt their money that they have, and, hey, look at all my bling, my flash. But we want the Word of God in a spiritual sense around our neck that others could see our faith and our love and our power of our God. So it's about, it's bind, bind them about thy neck. Proverbs 3, verse 3. And then, if you go to the last one, he says, bind them on thy what? On thy fingers. Now, Your fingers, and I thought about this, your fingers is really what you see. It's what you see when you transact business. So when you take out your wallet and you get out your debit card, make sure what you're buying is for the glory of God. That it's not going to bring Him shame. When you're at your computer and you're typing, think of the Word of God on your fingers. And you're seeing the Word of God. Now, be careful what you type. Be careful where you go, when you type, to what websites you go into. You don't want to be taking out your wallet and buying drugs with it. The Word of God is on your fingers. You don't want to be taking out your wallet and buying lottery cards and getting addicted to to gambling. Be careful. So he says, have the Word of God on your fingers as a constant reminder, a constant reminder. Reminder to yourself in your work, in your buying, in your selling. I was talking to, by the way, yesterday. Debbie and I went up to uh, Connecticut. We had a funeral with a friend of Debbie's from high school, and her husband died. So we went up there and had a funeral, and we had a and Micah officiated another funeral. Uh, Pastor Joe, our friend from Grenada, his wife passed away, and. They had come here earlier, remember, and we prayed for Veronica, but the Lord took her home. So Micah got to know Pastor Joel when we were in Grenada. So I asked Micah if he could officiate that, and he did his first funeral yesterday. Isn't that awesome? And so our church we officiated two funeral services yesterday, but that's not all. But by the grace of God, we had our homeless outreach yesterday, led by bro- Brother Bill and Vinny, and and I know a number of you also went out on our homeless outreach sharing the gospel. But that's not all. Sister Lentia led our women's fellowship yesterday. And I know Esther did a great message with the ladies. So isn't that awesome? Our little church, we have kind of branched out in four different ministries. God is good. That's because, I believe it's because our people do love the Word of God. It's bound about their neck like beautiful jewelry. We value and treasure the Word of God. We want to share the Word of God. It's, it's on our fingers as a constant reminder. So yesterday, Debbie and I were at the funeral. I didn't lose my point. We were at the funeral and I was talking to a lady and she said, Oh, that little baby in the church, that little kid, you know, how you've heard this expression. They have me wrapped right around their finger. Right. You've heard that expression. They got me wrapped around. I mean, they are so cute. They control me with their cuteness. I'll do anything. You know, it's the idea wrapped around my finger. So wrap the Word of God around your finger and be controlled by the Spirit of God. The Word of God. Love the Word of God in the core of your being. But it's not just bound to the neck and the fingers. Each of these verses, and I'm saving the most important for last, has the word what in it? Write them upon the table of thine heart. Bind them continually upon thine heart. And then in chapter 7, verse 3, write them upon the table of thine heart. So, whereas neck is referenced twice, the fingers are referenced once, the heart is referenced in all three of these verses. Because the heart speaks about the very core of our being. What is God saying here? What is He saying when He says, write the Word of God, His mercy and truth. Which really, that's the cross. the mercy. I always think of Jesus' death on the cross. But bind the Word of God continually upon thine heart. What is He saying? He's saying to do what we do on Sunday morning. And that's memorize the Scripture. Permanently impress God's Word into your heart so that it will guide your every action and reaction. Because we need help in our actions. I know I need help. In my reactions. So we're to memorize the Word of God because we value it. And He says continually in your heart. Because you know what our heart is? It's desperately wicked. Our heart is a perpetual idol factory. If you even go to Ezekiel chapter 14, we won't turn there, but read it later. Ezekiel chapter 14 talks about the idols of your heart. The only way to drive out the idols of your heart is when God's Word is at the core of your being. It drives out the other idols. And there's another verse that's very important in Proverbs. You know what's bound in the heart of every child? Foolishness. And so the only way to drive out that... See, foolishness is bound. That's the same word we're talking about. Binding. we got to bind the Word of God in our heart because what's naturally bound there foolishness and so the word of God drives out the foolishness bound in your heart so here's the question do you want to change remember I asked you I said at the beginning of the message I'm going to ask you a question that can change the direction of your life and I, I didn't ask you the question yet I'm going to ask you the question right now but I believe if you really think about this question it will change the direction of your life you ready for the question Okay, here's the question. Drum roll. Okay. Here's the question. What or who do you believe you need to give you ultimate satisfaction? Ultimate satisfaction in this life. What or who do you believe you need to give you ultimate satisfaction in this life? Now, and when I say ultimate satisfaction, I mean... Maybe you could replace different words there. Happiness. What do you believe you need to to have ultimate happiness, ultimate joy, ultimate peace, ultimate love? What is it? Who is it you need for that ultimate sense of fulfillment in this life? Now, in your heart, answer that question. Now, with that answer, what you answered is either an idol of your heart, or it's the true and living God. (laughs) Because who we need is the Lord Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, living and dwelling in our hearts, because He is the One who is the source of our true satisfaction, happiness, joy, rejoicing, our peace, our love. The fruit of the Spirit is, is those things. Right. This is what we get from God. We cannot get it from any man. We cannot get it from any material thing. We, we cannot ultimately get it from any relationship, marriage or with children. It's through the Lord. So how do you change your behavior? How will this change the direction of your life? It will change the direction of your life when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Drive out the foolishness. Drive out the idols. So that you then seek the Lord. You see, the key to life change is not just forcing acts of the will, but it's changing the loves of your heart. Is to have no idols in your heart, but to love God first. Put God first. Seek Him first. And so, there's many Scriptures that talk about how we need to love God. God's Word. Oh, how I love Thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love thy law. Now, we don't worship the Bible. We are not. We don't practice Bibliolatry. We worship God. But the Bible is the very heart of God. And we cannot know what we need to know about God apart from the Bible. So we have to open up the Bible, beloved, right? Every day, open up your Bible, read your Bible, meditate on your Bible. And don't, don't just read it. I would say... When you read a passage, write down a verse. Write down a verse and, and then carry that verse. Put it on a three by five card or something. Memorize that verse. Or or like what we're doing, you should maybe write down first John three and the verse we did today. Write it down. Memorize these verses. Oh, how I love the law. It is my meditation all the day. I hate vain thoughts. Now what are vain thoughts? Those are the thoughts that just come, like, into your mind. You're just, like, walking along, and all of a sudden, you have a thought. Man, I hate that person. Like, whoa, where did that come from? I mean, you ever get a vain thought like that? That's a bad thought. Man, I wasn't even thinking about that person. All of a sudden, you have, a, a, a like, a bad thought. That ever happened to you? Come on. I'm not the only one, right? Okay. That's a dart of the devil. And so I hate those thoughts. We have to drive out those thoughts. And I can't then start, continue thinking about how I hate that person. I have to turn it around. And say, I love that person, you know. I love my, my neighbor as myself. And turn it around. Turn it into prayer. Start memorizing the word. Thy law do I love. Great peace have they which love, love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Many people are offended so easily. And I wonder if it's not because they don't love God's Word enough. We won't be offended so easily when we're loving God greatly. So that's the first thing. Do I love God's Word in the core of my being? And that's the longest point today. The second thing I want us to see, the second challenge from this passage is, is God's Word comprehensively influencing my daily life? Is God's Word comprehensively and I know that's a long statement, but I kind of boiled down these four challenges to four words, and each word begins with a C. So the first point was the core. Do I love God in the core of my being? The second point is the word comprehensive. And what I see here is the Word of God doesn't deal with just, well, I go to church, I hear the Bible, and then I just put it all aside and I go about my daily life. No. The Word of God has incredibly useful, practical helpfulness to our daily life. And that's what we see in verse number 22. Now, I, I knew an evangelist. I hear his voice every time I say this verse. He was a southern evangelist. John McCormick. Remember him, Deb? And he would say... I don't, I, for some reason, I heard him quote this verse. I don't know if, I, if he preached it, or, but I could hear his voice. He, he had such a good voice. He had this drawl. He'd say... When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. You know? Did I do it okay, hon? Was that all right? <laughs> Comprehensively influencing my daily life. So when you're walking, let God's word direct you. His word leads us. He says, as you go, when you go, And we're all going somewhere. As God told Abraham, walk before Me and be thou perfect. So as you go, let God's Word go with you. Let God's Word lead you. I think of that great Palm Sunday when Jesus was with the disciples and He said, go over into that town over there and you're going to find a colt tied now would they have known what town to go to if they didn't have the word of Jesus to tell them what town to go to? And there would be a cult tied, not loose, but it would be tied. So they had, they went to, they had to go to that specific town and they had, there was a specific cult and then Jesus said, now if anybody says, what are you doing? Why are you taking that cult and the foal with it, with it? Just tell them the Lord have need of these right now. So, the point I'm making is, the Word of God, the Word that Jesus gave to those disciples was the Word of God. And they never would have known what to do, where to go, and what to say if they didn't heed the Word of God. So, the Word of God directs us to where to go, what to do, and what to say. We need God's Word directing us. We need God's Word even when we sleep. And I've said this many times. You know, you, we can put the Word of God on our phone and go to sleep. If you're having trouble going to sleep, put it on your phone. Get out the U version. Let the guy start talking to you, the Word of God. Man, that's a great way to go to sleep. You don't need pills to get a good night's sleep. Let God's Word come into your heart. He says, when you sleep, when you sleep, get, let God's Word protect you. What people need, we need protection these days, don't we? I mean, it's, it's tragic what you hear in the news. I can't believe the reality that some people experience. I mean, a little girl sleeping in her bed in Chicago. And bullets are coming in to the house and killing little children. As well as in our city. We need God's Word to be our protection, if you will. It says, when thou, go, when thou sleepest, it will keep you. That is literally to protect you. The psalmist said, I laid me down and slept. I awaked. The Lord sustained me. Psalm 4, verse 8, I will lay me down in peace and sleep. For Thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. I mean, in many cultures over much many to- periods of time, just laying, laying down and closing your eyes, you didn't know who was going to try to get you while you did that. Thank God we've had such peace and safety in our country. Over the years. But we need the Lord to protect us even as we sleep. So when you're sleeping, let God's Word protect you. In your going, let God's Word direct you. And in your waking up, let God's Word perfect you. Now this is really cool. This is amazing. He says, so when God's Word is leading you through the day, and God's Word is keeping you through the night, then He says, when you wake up in the morning, you will will feel the presence of God speaking to you. That's what he says. He says, "And when you awake, it shall talk with thee." That is the word of God that's bound in your in the core of your being that's continually guiding your your daily life. Isn't that cool? And by the way, when he says "talk with thee," it's not. It's actually he he's going to be, like shouting in love to you. Speaking to you in this word, where it says he will talk with thee is actually used in first chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 where it says sing unto him sing psalms unto him talk ye of all his wondrous works now this is he's talking here about us singing to god and us singing psalms to god and us talking to god that's what that's what chronicles is talking about but the verse we're looking at it's god is talking to us So as we sing to Him, and we're praising God, in a sense, this is turned around. This is God is talking to us. Don't you want that in your life? That's what we can have. When God's Word is in the core of our being, and comprehensively working and directing in all the different aspects of our life. Then we see, thirdly, not only are we to love God's Word in the core and then let God's Word comprehensively influence my daily life, but the third challenge is this. Does God's Word give clarity to my pathway? We need light in this dark world, don't we? So what does He say in verse 23? For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And we read earlier in the Psalms, Thy Word, you know that verse, right? Say it with me. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And there's a song with that. You know the song? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy Word. For Thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Psalm uh, 2 Samuel 22, verse 29. The law is light, he says. And again, he was referring to the, the law of his mother. He says, the law of your mother, which is the Word of God she was teaching the Son, is light. That's the light that God made on day one. That's the same word of the light that God made on day one. We need light in our life. Now, go to chapter 7 of Proverbs. It's a very interesting verse here that, that speaks of God's Word being Light, if you will. In verse 2, Proverbs 7, look at verse 2. Can you read that verse? It says, Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Now, I looked up that word apple, and it's the apple of mine eye. And this same word, apple, is translated in the Hebrew... In verse nine, look at verse nine. Tell me what word in verse nine is the same word for apple of your eye. What what, what do you think? what, What word in verse nine is the same Hebrew? It's not the same English word. It's the same Hebrew word. No, not twilight. The apple of your eye. What is in? What is in the middle of your eye? And what color is it? Black. That's the Hebrew word. Black. In verse 9. So the apple of your eye is what? It's the black part of your eye. It's called the Dr. Hahn. Pupil. So, okay, okay, here we go. little eye lesson. Dr. Hahn, come and give us an eye. No, I'm just kidding. We have an eye doctor. But here he says, Keep my commandments and live. And my law as the apple... Of thine eye, now I've studied this very carefully because I don't want to say it wrong in front of an eye doctor. But the function of the pupil is to allow light to enter the eye. Keep it simple, Matt. And so the function of God's Word in, in our lives, in this context, look, He says, Thy law is the apple. It's the pupil of my eye. The Word of God is what brings light into our life so we can see and not be in absolute darkness. That's what the pupil does. The other thing about the pupil that is so amazing, and you know this intuitively, even a little baby, you go up to a little baby And you put your finger and, and over their eye and you begin to touch the eye. What is that baby going to do? They're going to, they're going to move their head. They're going to protect their eye. They're like, no. So the pupil, the center of our eye and our eyes itself, yes, we could say, we most naturally protect instinctually. Why? Because it's the most sensitive part of our body. It's like, stay away from my eye. I don't want you to touch it. Well, God's law is the apple. Of our eye. We want to protect the Word of God in our life. In the core of our being. As the Word of God is comprehensively leading me and directing me and providing. And God is is providing and, and making me more like Jesus through the Word of God. So protect God's Word. Let God's Word enter your life. It will bring light into your life. And we need to protect this at all costs. Amen? We need to protect at all costs the Word of God in our lives. Now, I'm going to show you a picture. And I, I wonder if you know who this is. Oh, let me... Oh, the people at home. They, my face is right in the middle of the picture. I can't get... get uh, whatever. Sorry, guys. But you see that. I saw this picture in the news this week. Do you know who this is? This person has fame, money, worldwide popularity. He's made millions laugh. He's been on kids' movies. He's been Disney movies. He's the voice of Disney movies. This is Johnny Depp in a drunken stupor. He's a fool. He's a fool. He's taken the wrong path. You know, he's in this court case, so I saw this in the news because of that. But he was talking about how he drinks whiskey the first thing when he gets home from the work. And then even in the morning when he wakes up, he drinks whiskey. And he he made this as like a joke. He says, isn't happy hour all day long? As if I could drink all day long. This is foolishness. This is Hollywood. These are the people who are teaching the United States of America and many around the world and even our children. Let's not follow what they're selling. The fourth challenge is this. Is God's Word positively correcting who I am and how I behave? So go back to chapter 6, please. And in verse number 23, he says, For the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The way of life, the reproofs. That's the corrections, if you will. That's the chastening of the Lord. Now, the reproofs of instruction, there's two words there, the reproof and the instruction. If you go back, please, look, look in chapter number 1, look at verse 23, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23, and this word reproof is an important word, as well as the word instruction in these gateway chapters of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23, what, is the, what are we told? By wisdom, wisdom is speaking. In the gates and wisdom says, turn you at my reproof, for I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So he says, turn at my reproof. And so again, in our passage here, he says that the word of God are the reproofs of instruction. They're the way of life for us to be filled with the spirit, for us to make known and understand his words so we can know our way. We need this revival of the Word of God, as I said earlier. Turn at My reproof. I will pour out My Spirit unto you. That's revival. Look, please, in Proverbs chapter 3, and verse number 11. In chapter 3, verse 11, both of these words are used. Reproof and instruction. In chapter 3, verse 11, He says, My son, despise not... The instruction of the Lord, the chastening of the Lord, but it's the same word instruction in in the verse we're looking at. And he says, Neither be weary of his reproof. So when we come under the the instruction of God's word, what's the point? If we openly go to God's word and let God's word instruct us, what is what's going to happen? We're going to be what? Reproved. (laughs) We're going to be corrected. We're going to be convicted. So then we have to change. We change. We adjust. We recalibrate. We repent. We say, yes, Lord. This is what You say. This is the way I need to go. I will walk in Your way. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Well, now you know. Do it. And if you look, please, in chapter 5 and verse 12, both of these words, reproof and instruction, are both in these words as well. And this was, this was the young man who was about to go to the house of the adulterer. And if he were to do that, he would mourn at the last. His body would be consumed, he says. And in, chapter, in Proverbs 5, verse 12, he says, How have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof. So let God's Word instruct you and improve, uh, reprove you. Don't hate it. Embrace it. You know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is actually such a blessing. If you're being convicted of the Holy Spirit in your life to change a particular thing in your life, that's a blessing. That's a gift. That's a, that's a gift. That means God is talking to you and saying, you know what? Here's the right way. Walk ye in it. You need to clean up your mouth. I mean, this world is full of man. What vile language is in this world? We shouldn't, we shouldn't speak like this world. We shouldn't be cursing, saying all these different words that just like flow off the tongue of people as if this is their normal vocabulary. Christian, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Yes, Lord, I take that reproof. Now help me to change and put this into my daily life and my family and my work. But everybody's cursing on my job. You be different. How about it? How about you be different? Shine for Jesus there. Let them know you're different. Let God's Word positively correct you. Who you are. How you behave. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be weary of His reproof. And just real quick now, go to chapter 15. And these words also appear in chapter 15. And then we'll we'll close this morning. But in chapter 15, look at verse 5. And both of these words are also in verse 5 that we're looking at, this, these words, instruction and re- the reproofs of instruction. Our life depends on it. Like Rahab's cord tied in the window. Dep- her life depended on that cord being tied securely to that window. And he says, you listening to the reproofs of instruction, God's trying to keep you from being self-destructive and destroying yourself. Your life depends on it. Proverbs 15, 5, he says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Look at verse 10. Again, we see both of these words. Verse 10, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. That's the instruction. Instruction. And then he says, He that hateth reproof shall die. You see, your life depends, our life depends on us taking this reproof Look at verse 31 and 32. He says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. We're wise when we take that reproof of instruction, which is the way of life. Verse 32, He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul, and he that, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. And then that chapter of 15 ends, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom for honor is humility. So these are the challenges of God's Word. Do you love God's Word in the core of your being? Is God's Word comprehensively influencing your daily life? Does God's Word give clarity to your pathway? Is God's Word positively correcting those C words? Correcting who I am. So, core of my being, comprehensive, clarity and light, correcting who I am. Ed Carter is an evangelist, has an amazing testimony. He was on the Marshall University football team. He wanted to be an NFL football player. He was good. His father passed away. He had no relationship really with his dad. But his mother said, Ed, I want you to go to the funeral. He said, But I got to go to a football game. I got to play in that football game. It's important to me. That's more important to me than my father's funeral. But his mother commanded him and begged him to honor his father. And he took that reproof of instruction, he obeyed his mother, he went to his father's funeral the Marshall University football team got on that airplane that day and the plane crashed. And every football player on that plane died. He read his obituary because they just assumed he was on that plane. He said, I've read my obituary... But listening to that reproof of instruction was the way of life for me. And God's word is the way of life for us. Let's stand together as we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us. God, thank you that you're so kind. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the Word of God, incarnate in flesh. Your name is the Word of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to save us from sin and death and hell. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bore the wrath of God in our place. You became sin. Though you knew no sin, you did no sin, in you was no sin yet You became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in You. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for bearing our sins in Your body on that cross and for giving us Your Word. We know that this Bible that we have is Your love letter, O God, to us. You are the risen Savior now, Lord, seated King of kings, Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and earth is yours. And you tell us that we should bind this Word in the very core of our being. How many would say, Pastor Matt, by the grace of God, I do want God's Word to be bound in the core of my being. That's my heart. That's my desire today as a Christian, as a believer. Can I see your hand? Say yes, Pray for me that I would study the Word, memorize, do what I have to do. Say, I'm not a very good reader, but God can help you to learn. God could help. You know, I know people who are illiterate, but they learn how to read the Bible. I've heard those stories. God's Word will give clarity. And as you have your hand up, just pray, Lord, influence my daily life. In my going, direct me. In my sleeping, protect me in my waking perfect me with your word and then lord give light to my pathway give light oh god sometimes i don't know where to go and sometimes i make the wrong decisions help me to get out of the darkness you can put your hands down how many would say pastor matt i'm in darkness today i've made bad decisions and i need light in my pathway I need to guard the Word of God like I guard the pupil of my eye. I need to let the light of God's Word come into my life to have that clarity. Because I've been in darkness. Can I see your hand? Say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Let the Holy Spirit convict you about that. God bless you. I see your hands. You can put them down. Thank you. Now, Lord, please work. one last question I will ask if there's anyone here who's not born again you say I, I came in here I know if I were to die today I have no hope of heaven I, don't, I have no knowledge whether I would go there or not but I want to know beloved we can show you the way to heaven through Jesus Christ and if you believe on Him He will, he will save you He will give you His Holy Spirit He will change you Is there anyone here who would say today, Pastor Matt, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior so that I could go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I don't know how to get there. Pray for me. Can I pray for you? Just put your hand up if there's anyone like that at all. Please. So now, Lord, thank you, God, for your goodness and grace. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.